It's time for episode 276 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded January 9th, 2019. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that aims to add a little consistency to your day. I'm one of your co-hosts, Micah Sargent, and I don't know if you noticed that little tinge of sass in that (laughs) intro, but that was my co-host Dan Morin complaining because I put 2018 instead of 2019 in the spreadsheet. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. You still, you know, it's 2019, but you're still writing 2018 in all your clockwise spreadsheets. I understand how it is. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, uh, we have a wonderful show planned. You know how this works for people, for topics, 30 minutes. Let's get things going by introducing our guests. To my left is a prolific podcaster and video production. I don't know. There's a word that belongs here. Maestro. Let's go with that. It is Quinn Rose. Hello, Quinn. Hello. I'm excited to be here. Uh, We're so happy to have you on. It's exciting. And to my left, our second guest, the co-director of App Camp for Girls, the proprietist of App Launch Map, and the host of Originality FM right here on Relay FM, Aline Sims is back. Hi, Aline. How are you? Hello. I'm waking up. Let's see if I can talk today. (laughs) (laughs) So let's go ahead and get rolling. My question for you, what is something in your home you wish was smart? Alternatively, what's something that's smart that really doesn't need to be? Quinn, we'll start with you. Okay, so I feel like I was given a promise by Disney Channel Original Movies circa 2006 that one day I would have a smart closet in my home. And I know there have been attempts to do this, like with different services and different technology, but it, it still doesn't really exist. And I would love someday to have a closet that can tell me what matches, what's fashionable. It could offer me different solutions for like discount accessories that would go with my outfit that are available for sale nearby. That is what I want in my life. I, I think a smart closet for me would just be too sassy. You're wearing that today? <laughs> I guess you're not going out. Nice pajamas. Uh, pajamas yeah. again, yeah. <laughs> um, for me, the the appliance in my home that I wish was the smartest, and it's already pretty smart, but I would like to see it maybe a little smarter, is I have my tea robot, which is the Breville tea maker, which is great. It's an electric kettle, but it's got a little basket that you can put your loose tea leaves in, and it like puts in the it boils water, and then it lowers the basket in the water and boils it for however long you set, and then it stays hot for like an hour afterwards. Basically, like you know, tea drinkers finally get like a coffee maker equivalent, and I really love it. It does have like a feature that like a timer where you can set it ahead. But some mornings you just like you don't know when you're gonna get up, and I wish that I could just like press a button on my phone when I wake up, so that when I get up out of bed, there's already a freshly brewed pot of tea without having to be on the schedule, the the, the tyrannical schedule of my of my tea maker. So I wish it were just a little bit smarter, but it would still take you know forethought of having to remember to put all the tea leaves in and fill up the water the night before. So I guess what I as I always fall back to, I just need a robot butler. I just need a robot butler to take care of all this for me. I wish they made that tea maker in a smaller size. Um, yeah. Well, I I think I'm sitting here debating. I hate folding laundry, and I'm kind of piggybacking off of Quinn's thing. I used to have, you know, Big Bang Theory. Sheldon, you see commercials with him with the folder. I don't watch Big Bang Theory, but this folder to fold all of his 
shirts and clothes and stuff. And I want that, but a robot. So Dan, I'm with you on the robot butler because I hate folding and putting away clothes. And if I had something to do that, it's like the combination of Dan and Quinn's answer. Someone organize my closet and keep it organized, please. And do my laundry. Just all of that. All of that. Laundry <laughs> butler, please. I, I will interject. Uh, there was apparently last year, I thought I saw something about this. Apparently there was a $16,000 robot yep. yeah, last year that sorted and folded your laundry. <laughs> yeah. And I was like going ahead and putting some money aside, getting some investments in place, <laughs> trying to figure out how to make that a reality because I needed it. Uh, Alina, I want to say I respect to you for making sure that the folks out there know you do not watch that show. Uh, that is <laughs> that is wonderful. I don't. And, it's so bad. <laughs> and all good answers on that. Um, I'm also going to go the route of sort of a space that I want to be smart. The space I want to be smart is my bathroom. And I know people are like, oh, golly, that's not a place you want cameras. No, I don't want cameras. Um, I want my floor tile to like heat up whenever it senses that I'm uh, turning on the, the shower. And maybe I want my shower to be smart, too. So I could just say, hey, can you go ahead and get that rolling for me so it's uh, toasty when I step in? It also will like remind me so that I don't leave the water running. Uh, and then also some information about like, hey, hey, here's how much water usage you had today when you brushed your teeth and you did this and you did that. And then also the mirror would tell me like, oh, here's what what's on your schedule for today, Mr. Sergeant, <laughs> I think would be really awesome. So smart, smart bathroom, smart closets, and smart folders, all great answers. Quinn, we are ready to move on to your topic. All right. So as Mike mentioned at the beginning, um, I make YouTube videos. I actually recently just quit YouTube, surprise. But um, I'm still very connected with the platform. And it has multiple major outages over the past few months, some that have affected basically the entire user base. There was another one yesterday that wasn't the whole user base, but a lot of people weren't able to get on YouTube for over an hour. And so my question is just kind of a thought experiment is if YouTube went down tomorrow and just didn't come back, what platforms do you think would rise up to take its place? I actually think that it would probably be, you know, I know you said platforms there, and I think that's what would happen. I think we'd see a fragmenting because YouTube right now is kind of a mishmash of all this different stuff, right? Like a lot of big companies use that to promote their, for example, movies or TV shows. Uh, and then you have content creators and you have people just uploading like funny videos that they made, right? Like there's a whole bunch of different stuff there. So I think a lot of it would gravitate towards other social networks. Um, so, you know, I, I've already seen lots of movie trailers posted on Twitter, for example, or Facebook. Uh, same with sort of funny home video type stuff. I think yeah, that would probably get in the social media. And then there's some stuff in the middle where I think some of like that, those sort of uh, pro content makers who are using YouTube as their platform would probably, I don't know if something like Vimeo would still be a, a, a sort of a player in that market, but some other destination site I think would come up um, probably eventually that would sort of supplant that. But I think what would be really interesting is that it would fragment into all these different services. Uh, and I don't know if that's good or bad. Like it's, it's good because it makes sure that no one platform has too much control over the whole like video sharing thing. But it's bad because if you want to find something right now, that's video, you go to YouTube, right? It's it's the Google of video. Uh, and so literally. that's literally, literally the Google of video. And so it's, it's convenient, right? Because you have that monolithic source, but it also has its dark side as we've all become all too well acquainted with. I feel like we've had this kind of rush, not rush, the slow, slow evolution towards centralization of video and social media and where we share things. And now we're kind of realizing, oh, oh, this is bad. We need to 
burn it, burn it with fire. <laughs> and we're slowly kind of like pulling, pulling everything apart again, which I think is super interesting. I don't really know what the answer is. And I think that Dan is probably spot on. I know Facebook would like to be the new YouTube. But, you know, the the young ones do not like Facebook. It's for old people in their 30s like me. Um, <laughs> so I don't I don't know is uh, like, w- what is what is video long form video on Snapchat? Like, would that exist? Is Snapchat even cool anymore? I don't really know. <laughs> um, you know, so there are all of these all of these things, uh, you know, I don't think existing services um, like Vimeo are going to be the answer because they aren't the answer now. And I, I think it's, I think Dan, you're, you're right. Like people, I feel like people are starting to go more toward on an individual level. People are starting to go more toward owning their content again and making websites. And this is still kind of tech nerdy that this is happening, but I think that it might spread a little bit further. So maybe we're not going to see centralization um, anymore until people get fed up of hosting their own stuff and we go back to another centralization type model. <laughs> uh, just going to go ahead and, and hop on the little train here, choo-choo, because Dan, I think, is correct. There's going to be fragmentation. It's going to be across different platforms. We're, we already see that. Um, when I worked for a video news company, we didn't just post our videos to YouTube. We hosted them ourselves. We posted them to Facebook. We posted them to Twitter. We posted shortened versions of them to Instagram. Uh, and so so those platforms already exist for video distribution, and folks are using those platforms for video distribution. So this is just uh, if if the big player goes down, especially for creators, for for, for individuals who sort of are uh, what is the word I'm looking for influencers and online brands. Those individuals uh, are you know they'll, they'll find some other platform to do that because. You might build your following on YouTube, but in all of those little description boxes at the bottom, and the links and the doobly-doo, as it were, uh, they are going to be uh, linking to Twitter and to Instagram and all these other platforms where then you follow that creator. So if YouTube goes down, then the person's going to tweet and say, hey, you can see my videos right here on Twitter. I'll also post them on Instagram and on Facebook and elsewhere. And while I no longer have a Facebook, I think mine deletes tomorrow and I'm really excited about it. Um, finally, after a month of, of the sort of in-between process, uh, f- folks do still use that site to look at video. And when I was using it, that's pretty much all I you know stopped to look at while I was scrolling through the news feed. Uh, Quinn, any last thoughts on that? Yeah, I would echo a lot of what's already been said, especially I think for um, like larger companies that are just kind of reposting uh, ads and movie trailers and late show hosts and whatever. Um, those are just going to move to wherever the audience is. Um, but I also think that especially for independent creators, I, my basic prediction for what this would be is that a lot of people would go to Instagram as their primary platform because a lot of people were already there. I still don't think they're going to use IGTV, but I think they'll be on Instagram. <laughs> I think a lot of people would be sort of self-contained. I think it's possible for a lot of major creators on YouTube to, even if they wanted to right now, to sort of switch everything over to like, just come to my Patreon page and like, you can see the videos for free and then you can support me right here. And I think that would be a really viable model. And I also wanted to give a shout out to TikTok because TikTok is the next big video platform that's coming up. And I don't necessarily think that it could replace YouTube because it's a very different thing. But I do think that it it currently is and especially would be if YouTube went away tomorrow, like the next big thing and where we're going to see a lot of creators coming up and making careers. Wowie. TikTok. You heard it here. Uh, 
that is going to do it for us for halftime, folks. And I am excited to tell you about our pals at Linode. This episode is brought to you by Linode. With Linode, you're going to have access to a suite of powerful hosting options with prices starting at five bucks a month. And guess what? You're going to be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. That's 60 seconds. Linode offers industry-leading performance with native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. Those sound powerful. They now have 10 data centers spread across the world, meaning you can serve your customers even quicker than before. They have an API that allows you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud, and everything is manageable via the command line. All of Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and node balancers. Linode has fantastic pricing options available. Their plans start at a gig of RAM for just five bucks a month, and they've got an They've got a high memory plan that starts with 16 gigs of RAM. As a listener of this very show, if you sign up at linode.com slash clockwise, you won't only be supporting us, you're also going to get $20 towards any Linode plan. Now let's do the math on that. On the gig of RAM plan, that's four free months of service. Wow. With a seven-day money-back guarantee, there is nothing to lose. So head on over to linode.com slash clockwise to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit. Thanks so much to Linode for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. Let's go ahead and move on to the next topic, which comes from Dan. All right. By this point, we've all heard the stories of Apple facing some iPhone challenges in terms of sales, and the company seems to be rapidly trying to build up its services division, which we've seen over the last couple of years. So beyond the existing services that Apple already has and their presumably upcoming TV streaming service, where else do you see an opportunity for Apple when it comes to services? Aline? So I know... Tech, this answers the spirit of your question, not the technical <laughs> aspect of your it's question. Fine. It's fine. So I am desperately trying to get Google Docs out of my life. Gosh dang it. And Apple years ago were like, oh, yes, I work in the cloud and you're going to be able to collaborate and it's going to be so great. And um, like what happened with that? I think it technically still exists. It, do- it does. It's, it's never talked about. Nobody ever uses it. I don't even know if it's cross platform at this point. So it should be. So I would really love to see. I mean, I have complaints about kind of the iWork suite. Is it even called the iWork suite anymore? I have complaints about that in general, but I really wish that they were a competitor uh, to Google for documentation. You know, in in my new role at AppCamp, I'm in Google Docs a lot because it's just the easiest tool for collaboration on you know, putting together committee proposals and brainstorming and, you know, documents that everybody can access. And I'm working on getting us off of that as much as possible and more centralized. But I would really, really love to see some attention paid to specifically pages and numbers as something that can be cloud-based and collaborative. Hmm. So here's the problem. Um, I think that the services that Apple is working on right now are excellent choices for the company. Um, Apple Pay makes them money without them hardly having to try. Uh, and I, I don't mean to say that as in like, it's not a good service. It's a fine service. It's just like, they don't have to do much work to get the money from that. Um, I just found out that part of the services uh, money that they talk about 
is actually coming from their deal with Google, uh, where that's the default search engine. And I didn't realize that they looped that into services. So that was fascinating to me. Um, th- and that's going fine. Uh, th- there are a lot of like passive things. They're charging everybody an arm and a leg if they want to have a little bit more storage online, I feel. Uh, but that's one of the, the things that are available and Apple Music is good. So I'm also going to break the question. Sorry. Uh, cause I think that the services they have right now are good. I actually would like to see them uh, get into smart home stuff. I think that Apple's HomeKit platform is fantastic. And if there's anyone out there right now going, I, hear, I thought it's bad, give it a try. It's gotten so much better. It is not what it was when it started. Um, and so with the HomeKit platform being so great, my goodness, I would love to have a, I don't know, a smart doorbell, a uh, smart lighting system, a smart this, a smart that, where all I have to do is like hold my phone next to it. And it does that automatic pair thing that the HomePod does, that the AirPods do, that all these different devices do. Uh, it just works mentality would be fantastic for smart home stuff. So not services, really. It's another hardware uh, you, you never met a question you couldn't turn into a smart home thing, did you? This is true, Dad. <laughs> this is true. Challenge accepted and completed. Quinn, what are your thoughts? Well, when I started thinking about this, I was really struck by Apple's kind of seemingly going into this uh, TV world and wanting to develop more programming, it seems like. And then I was thinking about how Apple has this huge games platform that they do not care about and do nothing with. Um, And I think it would be really interesting if they did something with that um, and invested more like in iOS gaming, especially for the iPad. I feel like there's a lot of potential um, growth there and partnering with people and putting more of a focus on that and being like, um, here is a place where you like you come to Apple, um, not only for your hardware and not only for like these like Apple Pay services or whatever stuff you don't even notice using, but also like for all your entertainment needs and for your television and for your games. Um, and I think that is there's a, a, so much potential there that they are just absolutely not paying any attention to. Yeah, they, they've really never gotten games. And I, it's surprising because it is such a big platform for them. So when I thought about this, I'm going to do something a little... I'm going to break my own question slightly. And just <gasps> yes! Say <it's> so, <laughs> yes! Um, and say something that I'm kind of surprised they haven't really gotten into more as a service. And I'm, I'm somewhat glad about it, but I'm a little wary. And that's podcasting. Because obviously they have the largest directory around of podcasts on the network. There are so many shows... You know, basically, if you're going to go and try to find a show, you're going to go to iTunes in the same way that we talked about YouTube before as being sort of the central clearinghouse. And Apple has not done a lot to try and get money out of that. They've started trying to build in some more um, statistics and uh, analytics and stuff like that, like tools for content creators. But there's not a lot of monetization happening there. And I believe me. I'm fairly happy about that uh, because I think they have generally been pretty good stewards of the medium. But if you're a company and you're looking to squeeze revenue out of your services, it would not surprise me if they tried to find a way to make that happen with podcasting. I don't know in what form, but you know, with that much leverage and control over it, it's hard to believe that they wouldn't look for an angle. And maybe they just haven't found one yet, or they felt like the benefits do not outweigh the risks in terms of disrupting where they are in terms of their control. But yeah, I, I'm kind of constantly feeling like maybe there's another shoe to drop there at some point. So I guess we'll see. Thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our last topic today, which comes from Aline. 
So Apple has this way of not like officially being an exhibitor at CES and still making headlines <laughs> at CES. They did it again this year uh, by announcing with Samsung that starting the spring, Samsung's smart TVs are going to include an uh, iTunes app, weird, HomeKit, and AirPlay 2 cake capability and also that TVs from other manufacturers like um, L- I think it's LG, Vizio and Sony are going to have AirPlay 2. So what are your thoughts on this kind of partnership and um, does this mean like some people are saying that Apple is in fact doomed? I think that this is just an example of how Apple is uh holding true to what they say in every single earnings call. I I transcribe those whenever they come around. And the number of times services is set in those calls is approaching 1 million. Um, And so it's clear that they're trying to diversify. uh, And that is why I think this makes sense. Um, Apple already does AirPlay 2 support for third-party speakers. Um, and so it's no surprise to me that uh, they're working with TVs now. I mean, they made that deal with LG, or they made the partnership with LG to produce the monitor for uh, their their MacBook Pros at the time, I think it was. Um, and so like, they're not afraid to work with third party companies on things. And I think that, you know, having AirPlay 2 support for uh, not just music throughout the home, but now oh, I've got a YouTube video or a Vimeo video uh, since YouTube is down that I want to show to everybody in the room. I can airplay to it to my Samsung smart television. Apple's not making a TV of their own. So let's get this functionality available. Well, as far as we know, let's get this functionality available and ready for folks to use. Uh, I appreciate that. I think that's exciting. Um, I hadn't heard about the HomeKit thing. And I'm curious if it's just because uh, if you add AirPlay 2 support to a device, then it shows up in your home app. But I'm wondering if they're also going to make it so that the uh, televisions work as home hubs within your HomeKit setup, uh, which would be nice because the more of those you have in your home, the quicker your uh, devices will respond. Yeah, so very exciting stuff there in any case. And yes, Dan, I brought in smart home stuff again. Uh, Quinn, what are your thoughts? I think this is really interesting because from my perspective, I feel like Apple has always had this very snobby reputation. Um, They're they're extremely self-contained. And if you want an Apple product, you better get an Apple hardware product because there are no other options. And so I think this is a really cool thing um, as a consumer. And I feel like it signals this that They've almost not to say they've seen the writing on the wall because they're still hugely uh, powerful and successful in terms of hardware. But that with with iPhone sales being down, oh, no. Um, I mean, there's only so many iPhones you can buy when the iPhones cost a thousand dollars. And so being able to put their products on these other services and sort of expanding the ecosystem like that, I think, really opens it up for more in the future. And I'm sure that with these kinds of things, it's like there there are going to be pretty strong monetization options um, in everything that they put in like Samsung products. I feel like if if not now, then in the near future and that, that they're opening their, themselves up to not only like be in good graces with consumers for their products to be available in more places, but also for future monetization streams. I think this is a total win for pretty much everybody involved here. Um, for the other um, 
uh, for the TV makers, they get the ability to just be like, yeah, if you got an iOS device, you can just watch your content on our TV. That's it. You're done, right? Like that is super convenient. It's a whole new stream of content that people can watch. And it's a, it's a differentiator for people buying those types of TVs. For Apple, this plays into the topic we just talked about, which is services. If they're doing a streaming TV service, it's really hard to make the argument that like, hey, we've got these great new shows. You just got to go out and buy this $150 box that you connect to your TV just to watch our shows, right? On top of the TV you already bought. So having the ability to say you can watch your shows and you can bring them up on the iPad and just airplay them to your TV. And, um, you know, I did this recently. My fiance and I were up in... Uh, at her parents' house over New Year's, and we wanted to watch something, and her parents have an Apple TV but don't have whatever service we were using, so I just brought it up on my uh, on my iPad and airplayed it to the TV, and it worked great. Um, and so I think it, it gets AirPlay 2 really out there as a feature. It helps jockey a little bit for position against Google because, like, Google's had the Chromecast built in on a lot of smart TVs. Um, and this just is the the future in some ways, as we're talking about Apple changing its direction and embracing services that's going to mean getting, you know, getting their stuff integrated better with all the third-party equipment that's out there. And AirPlay seems like a really natural opportunity for that. It's no longer a weird thing that only works with your Apple products. It is now a standard that could be used on any variety of third-party po- uh, products. So, yeah, I think that's a win all around. Yeah, I totally agree. I do feel like, you know, hearkening back to, Dan, your question... I feel like Apple's behind on services. And I think that's something that a lot of us can agree on, that they're kind of playing catch up right now. And uh, it's smart for them. It's smart for them to be, if if they really want to do services right, they need to be on a lot of platforms because otherwise it's like, you might as well just be using iTunes on your phone or carting your iPad around or, you know, whatever. So I think it's a good move for them. I don't think that Apple is doomed. I don't think the Apple TV is doomed. I think it'll be a niche product just like it is now, but it just brings these things to more people in more places. And I think that's a good thing. Agreed. Wow. We have reached the end of another episode, uh, but we've got just enough time for a bonus topic. Before we get there, I want to tell you about some of my truly favorite folks. It is Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Smile. Text Expander multiplies your team's productivity, making up to date shared knowledge available instantly. Using Text Expander, all of your team's common responses are accessible and searchable through simple abbreviations and keyboard shortcuts, written and edited by your best writers, available on multiple platforms that's macOS, iOS, Windows, and the web. Updated immediately everywhere when modified. If you're on a team, Text Expander will change your working life, leaving more time for what you do best. For larger teams, Text Expander also supports single sign-on, so that along with grouping accounts, you can make sure that that onboarding process is a breeze. You can use Text Expander to master to-do lists, to post to social media, or even help with your time tracking. Check out the Text Expander blog for those tips and more. Yeah, Text Expander is powerful. It's surprising how much I can actually do with Text Expander, and I use it for everything, whether it's uh, posting this show, whether it's uh, doing show notes for somehow I manage uh 
when I've, I've talked before about how it's sort of like being the person who has a stick of gum uh, for folks whenever they need it at work. I sort of hand out text expander snippets to uh, to colleagues. Oh yes, you might need this because we we sort of have a templatized version of doing things, and so you can pop in links very easily and get everything formatted appropriately. So be the office hero with text expander. That's my motto for you. Textexpander.com/podcast is how you can learn more about text expander. Thanks so much to Text Expander and the folks at Smile who are awesome for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, folks, it's time for the bonus topic. Are you ready? You can have an unlimited supply of one thing for the rest of your life. What is it? Quinn, we'll start with you. AirPods. I need new ones like every six months. <laughs> uh, bread. <laughs> What? I'm on brand. Sorry. Oh my That's, gosh. It's totally bread. <laughs> oh, Dan, I love you, but oh. So if I were being practical, I would say water. So my basic needs are always met, but I'm going to go with like computer hardware, whatever, whatever computer I need. I get it. I want to have an endless subscription to BarkBox uh, because it's oh, kind of an expensive. <laughs> it's kind of an expensive subscription each month, and if I didn't have to pay for it, then that's more money I have, and my dogs still get to have all those fun treats and toys. Also on brand. Wow, we really ran the gamut on that one. Huh? <laughs> we certainly did. Uh, Aline and I are like bread. We can't eat that. Uh, <laughs> I will take yours. Send it to you me. You can have all of my bread, Dan, yep. and you can have all of my appreciation. But I got to give some of it to our guests. Quinn, Rose, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And Aline Sims, thank you so much for being here. I love Clockwise. Thank you. <laughs> Aww. Uh, we love it, too, which is good because we'll be back next week. But until then, we remind all of you out there, watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.